Hey, thanks again for joining me on the Love Isn't Cancelled podcast. I am so freaking excited to be here with you today because this episode is a little different from what I have been doing. The past 30 or some episodes have been just me talking and I wanted to switch it up and incorporate some people in here. As I said from the beginning, the intention was to provide as much education, insight, real life stories that could help you, empower you, and maybe even entertain you. So you will be hearing from some special guests over the next little while as I'm going to do more interviews because you know, sometimes it gets a little lonely when you're just talking to yourself and hoping that people are enjoying just that. But also because, you know, not many people know this maybe, but I used to be a radio host and my whole show was interviewing people and having conversations about their lives and stories and and I really enjoyed that part of communication and learning. So I wanted to incorporate into this show. So this episode that you're going to hear is my, I don't even want to call them interviews. They're conversations with real people talking real life shit that is so powerful that I really truly believe will help you in some area of your life. So this next guest, her name is Abby Walker. She is a singer-songwriter who lives in Dallas, Texas, and I met her through Facebook, to be completely honest. We are in the same um, Facebook group, and she has been in there talking about this book she was writing, and then she launched it, and I was intrigued by her tone and the way that she said things, and when I started to read up on her, I was immediately drawn to how she was talking and what she was talking about. So when the book came out, I approached her to be a guest on my podcast because she delivers such a powerful, impactful message to women to really give them permission to be themselves. And that's... and that it's okay to be emotional or strong. And she shares her story with me through this interview um, in such a vulnerable way. And I really hope you enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope, actually, no, let me just say this. Her book is called Confessions of a High Strung Woman. And I wanna let you know that she is giving a book away to one listener on this show and the way to win this book. And I really encourage you, if you don't win it, please go ahead and buy it. You can buy it on Amazon or you can buy it on her website, which she shares in the show. And the way that you can win it is if you listen to the episode, you tell me what your favorite part about Abby is. So you can DM me on Instagram. It's Michelle L. Gallant. DM me, share what your favorite part was, and we'll pick a winner. And Abby will personally send you the book. So here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk soon. Love you guys.
Right. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show, Abby. I know. Yes, I know you have a lot going on, and I truly appreciate your time. And also, Mm. I'm holding your book in my hand. Yay! I know. Well, I haven't (laughs) read the the entire thing because I just got it yesterday. I have started to dive in, and so I'm anxious to talk more and unpack some of the things that I did come across that I found were very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So before I tell everyone who you are and let you talk, I just want to set the tone for this conversation. And let's let's go ahead and pretend that we are just two women sitting on a patio, sipping margaritas. Yes. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in already. (laughs) And eating chips and guacamole because we can. Yes. (laughs) And for those who are listening, you can absolutely sit with us. In fact, like I'm yeah. flailing my arms at you to come <laughs> over and pull up a seat. So let's talk. Abby. Yes. You good with that? Oh. Last? oh, yes. I'm so good with that. Sorry. Cut out for a second. I'm so I'm I'm waving my arms too. Come join us. Let's have a great time. Awesome. So that's the vibe. So Abby, you are a singer songwriter. You've opened up mm. for people like Keith Urban and Tim McGraw. And you're your fourth generation pastor's daughter. And now you can add author to the list of accomplishments. (laughs) Yes, I am. I am one of those people that cannot do just one thing. I wish that I could. I'd probably be really good at it by now. But (laughs) lots of things, lots of things. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So you've just released the book Confessions of a High Strung Woman. And Mm -hmm. you've got so much more you are working towards. So let's dive in. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm ready. All right, Abby, who is Abby Walker? Let's go back. That's such a good question. Um, I would say that first and foremost, like at my most, most basic level, I am really just a woman who is obsessed with freedom, like just obsessed with it, loves to learn um, where things are like holding me back personally, love, I just, I, I really enjoy that. And I think a lot of that comes from growing up in an environment that wasn't like, I don't want to call it oppressive, but I just had to work really hard to find my own way. And, um, I am, I'm a fourth generation Baptist preacher's daughter, which means my daddy, my granddaddy, and my great granddaddy were all Southern Baptist preachers and um there's like the Baptist church which is you know pretty conservative and very straightforward with the Bible and you know like they don't drink and dance it's a really big deal <laughs> they don't do those things and then there's the Southern Baptist kind of like subset genre um which is it's a wonderful beautiful place but there's also a very specific way for how to be a woman like what it looks like to be a good woman in that culture and I know a lot of women experience that in a lot of different places, whether it's their families or it's their industry that they're in or it's their culture or, you know, we can experience all of that. But for me, a lot of that pressure was in what I call the church house because that's, you know, that's where I grew up. We were there multiple days a week, you know, Sunday school in the morning, services on Sunday night, services again on Wednesday, Awana, I mean, you name it, you know, we were, we were doing all the things. And so, um, I grew up in that environment as, as really just kind of like, I don't know, I was just a pistol kind of born into these like well-behaved women 
and I just didn't fit, you know, I, I, but I worked really hard to fit in. And what that looked like for me was, um, changing every natural thing about myself. You know, it looks like, um, smoothing out my rough edges and, and it's not that I was like running people over and this big loud person. I just had, I just cared more about everything that I felt like everybody else did. You know, like I, I had big emotions and I couldn't turn it off. And, um, you know, for a lot of women and a lot of like the world, you know, cultures that we live in, the expectation for those women is to just like calm down, you know, like just don't cause a ruckus, um, chill out, you know, kind of whatever. And I was just somebody who from the get go, I mean, it was like, we laugh about it now because I never carried around a baby doll. Don't have anything against baby dolls, but like everything turned into a microphone, you know, the spoon, the hairbrush, <laughs> the ladle, you know, the, the whisk. Um, I just really loved the idea of connecting with people through music and speaking. And in a lot of ways, you know, I was around it every Sunday at church. And you saw the power of communication and you saw the power of like music to connect people and to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, I grew up in the church and, um, I was just trying to find my way. You know, I think like a lot of, well, I know so many different women. And, um, while I was in church, I got real involved in music. My grandmother sings and, um, I put out a couple gospel records and I began touring and speaking within kind of like, um, church ministry circuits. And, um, I was working towards a record deal and this was in the fall of 2008 and, <laughs> and I had just got married and I thought, this is it. I've worked my whole life for this. Like I've played, you know, the, the disciple now youth weekend to, you know, 12 people in middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, you know, to finally get to have a record deal and to sing my own songs and, and be an artist, you know, paid my dues, all that kind of stuff. And, um, the market crashed that fall, like everything, it was just, you know, such a bad recession. And so they called and canceled my showcase and I was devastated. You know, I was just like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, what is, what does this look like? And at that point I was 26 and I was, um, getting tired of doing all the things I thought I was supposed to be doing because I felt like they are not working in terms of like bringing me happiness. You know, I, I know I'm doing the things I'm, everybody tells me I'm supposed to be doing, but, um, I just really wrestled. And so I took some time off and thought, well, what if I just like sang regular music, which may not sound like a big deal to you, but, um, it's a real, like typically what happens with music and people, you know, involved in the church house or in a relationship with the Lord or whatever, they typically like sing in the honky tonk and then sing in the church house. Like that's kind of the progression. I went backwards. I went from the church house to the honky tonk. You know? <laughs> and so um there was a lot of uh raised eyebrows and, you know, concern that maybe I'd fallen away from my faith and stuff. And, but it was a real journey for me to reclaim um who I was. And in a lot of ways, like even my personal relationship with the Lord, where, you know, I think a lot of us can get in places where um, we're trying to earn and prove, you know, kind of like our relationship with God, our connection with God. And so this was like, I'm just going to sing songs about sassy, fun things, you know, and um, be a regular person. And it was like one of the most powerful kind of times in my life, because it was the first thing I had done that wasn't expected of me probably, you know, in a lot of ways. 
so I did that for a couple of years and, um, we can get more into this later, but eventually ended up, um, I mean, I, I did, I, I traveled in the Texas country music scene, which a lot of people don't know exists, but it's a whole, it's like separate from the Nashville country scene. Like it has its own radio shows, like charts, like radio charts. It has its own award shows, it's touring circuit, you know, and, and Texas is big enough that it can support something like that. So I did that for a long time until a couple of years ago. Um, when I stepped back from that yet again, um, and started writing this book. So that's a very long answer, but hopefully that gives you a little idea of my little rebel heart. Yeah, no, that definitely gives us an insight. And, um, so I'm holding your book now and this mm-hmm. was just released a couple weeks ago, correct? Yes. Yeah. Just like two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, and it feels like as soon as I, so I met, well, I didn't, I haven't met you, but I met you. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, we're friends. We're yeah, friends we're in friends. the COVID, COVID life, you know. <laughs> so I saw you kind of on Facebook and we we're in a similar mm-hmm. group and mm-hmm. I seen you coming up a couple times and I was intrigued, but I was like, when I first saw the title, High Strong, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, no, not for me. Like, it's okay. Mm, yes. And then I saw you come up again and you were talking more about it. And I'm just like, no, nah, mm. there's something here because I can relate to what she's saying, but I just don't get the high strung thing. Mm, yeah. And then I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I was like, oh. And then I saw you come up again and I was like, mm. okay, like <laughs> now I need to talk to you because you are saying things that not a lot of people want to talk about, not a lot of people want yes. to talk about because they don't really want to get so close to their own emotional availability, mm. or they really don't want to dig as deep as maybe we should be to really get to know ourselves. Yeah. So when I, I went on Amazon and I went on your website and I looked up all this stuff about you and I ordered the book and I reached out to you because I was like, you have this whole story of, you know, becoming who you are now, but going through what I think a lot of women mm-hmm. feel like, supposed to be like, or put yes. in a box. And mm-hmm. now you are telling and embracing who you are in such a beautiful, mm-hmm. powerful way. So I really want to get mm-hmm. what does high strung mean? You know, it's so funny because like, if you look at the cover um, and I think we talked about this a little bit the other day, I needed the cover to communicate fun and life Yeah. because the, the title can sound so intimidating. I mean, it, it can totally sound like a bitch fest, which is not what it is. You know, right. confessions of a high strung woman. Um, and it's, it's really funny because I, grew up around that phrase and it was like you know a racehorse was high strung which just meant like they were very strong it's very passionate and um you know they weren't they didn't do well pulling a plow in a field day after day after day or they um required certain care or whatever and um I began to real like it's it's crazy once you stop telling yourself who you're supposed to be Right. Oh my gosh. Can we just start there? Like once you abandon the battle of like, okay, you should be this, you should be this. And you stop to just like listen and observe, like just 
kind of it's a it's a radical notion right in our culture that's obsessed with self-improvement and i love self-improvement like i love a good self-help book i mean in a lot of ways you know my book is even classified as self-help but um there's this obsession with being somebody other than who you really are and it's exhausting i don't know what it is about your 30s as a woman where you're just like I am done. Like I am tired. (laughs) I am cranky. Like I feel, I'm just very frustrated. You wake up and your body hurts for no reason. Like, yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like who was it? Um, I can't remember who it was, but I had seen a meme the other day that was like, you know, I would work out more if putting on a sports bra didn't require every bit of my energy. (laughs) Like I'm tired now and must rest. Like, (laughs) totally. So, um, being high strung was something that I had known about myself, but had denied and had, um, it was a bad thing. Does that make sense? Like I heard it like, ab, just calm down or let, why can't you just let it go? Or why is this such a big deal? Or, you know, and, um, as I began to try and step back and be like, okay, well, who am I if I'm not telling myself who and what to be? And then that began the process of, um, like appreciating what, how I was wired, which was intense, right? Which was a woman with big emotions, which was somebody with a brain that I couldn't shut off very easily, which was somebody that um cared a lot about everything. And in comparison from my perspective, right? Because you're, you're <laughs> what's loudest is always what's going on in your own headphones. You know, you're thinking, you're looking around you and you're like, um, like I liken it in the book to, I felt like I just kept walking into rooms and I've got like my, cause I'm a child of the eighties, right? I've got my boombox on my shoulder, like blaring Beyonce's who's run, who run the world. <laughs> and everybody else is like listening to like young Taylor Swift, like when she used to wear prom dresses and sang from balconies, you know, like <laughs> not to stop Taylor Swift with yelling. And I, I kept thinking, what is going on? You know, what is going on here? And, um, so anyways, being high strung to answer your question is not about being loud or bossy or over the top. It, in my opinion, and the way I frame it in the book is about being passionate, like having a lot that goes on inside of you. And so I have like my sister and I are very different. She is higher strung, but she's quieter than I am. But she's absolutely as high strung and struggles in some of the same ways in terms of like the toll it can take on her body and her mind if she doesn't if she isn't able to like take care of herself well or um the the depth of emotion the big feelings, the thinking through it's, 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 it all boils down to me to caring deeply about things and to a passion and everybody handles that very differently. And, um, I was very important to me. Like I, I go through and kind of list some of the names that are common that are commonly associated with being high strong. And a lot of them are like, you know, intense or emotional or, um, highly sensitive or, you know, alpha or whatever, but they can also be like quiet and, um, discerning or critical or, you know, they can be all of these different, you know, different things. And the premise of the book and the premise of like that phrase high strung is not that you need to say, Oh yes, I have been diagnosed as a high strung woman. It's literally to just say, so I'm somebody who has an intense personality who has big, emotions who's quiet sometimes and who's loud sometimes but these are some things that I've learned that have like transformed the way that I experience life 
as a woman with a lot inside of me. And if you can find anything in here that helps you, then like grab onto it. But if it doesn't serve you, then like let it go. You know, this is about becoming more you, not more like a quote high strung woman or, you know, more like me. But I feel like so much of it just boils down to um a depth of like emotion and feeling and caring about things, which in my opinion, I, I've yet to really meet a woman who's not high strung in my, in my term of that definition. Does that make sense? Cause yeah. every, every woman has big emotions. Every woman is like, you know, <laughs> everybody's area is different. Like you may not get real riled up about football, but you may get really riled up about, you know, the Oscars or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. So I'll, I'm going to say this. Um, and these are your words ish mm-hmm. from, yeah. um, one of your podcasts that I was listening to and it's fresh in my head. Mm-hmm. So basically what you just said is this is your permission slip to be free and to be yourself. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> Gosh. Yes. So this is, so on the cover of the book, um, it says for every woman who has ever been told she was too much finding freedom and power as a strong emotional woman. Mm-hmm. And when I heard and seen that on the cover, that's when I started to really resonate because the way mm-hmm. that you say it and the way that you unpack that was really like you go back to your childhood and mm-hmm. growing up as a teenager and then in your 20s and now 30s and mm-hmm. you start to really dig back and think like it was okay that I cried about this or it was okay that I reacted yeah. that way or it was okay that I had big dreams or mm-hmm. that when I was 10 years old, all I ever wanted to do was be a princess and now I'm a freaking queen. So celebrate that. <laughs> yeah. like, and just not, mm-hmm. and not being so hard on yourself for mm-hmm. wanting to be too much or being okay to be too much. Like there was mm-hmm. never anybody telling you that it was okay. So now this, I feel like this is mm-hmm. like it it absolutely is okay and you absolutely should mm-hmm. just be yourself and yeah um you said in a podcast recently too where um people are going to talk anyways so just <laughs> yes. Talk, right <laughs> yes oh they are you know and too much is relative right like right. I mean you know too much what what are, what is too much margaritas like what is too much guacamole and sunshine what is you know and I think so much of it is about um shaking off the names and the judgments that other people have written over you because they don't matter I mean I don't mean they don't matter as humans but like their interpretation of your life is not your responsibility and then also we realize oh it's not my business like they can take that to the Lord like he can They can work that out. They have that big of a problem with how he made me or, you know, what I'm doing or whatever. Um, I will spend my life reacting to people or I can learn to know what is mine and fiercely protect and and like take care of what is mine Mm -hmm. and leave the rest alone. And then you begin to actually direct your life and do the things you need to do. I mean, it's just as simple as like if you get distracted during the day. And you need to do laundry. And then you look up and you like, you're like, it's 9 p.m. because I got distracted by 
oh, I should scrub the bathroom and then I need to send this email and, oh, I forgot to go grocery shop. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it takes practice. And um, we have been told that, I don't know, I don't even, she's just like, where did it start? Who even knows? But like, as women, we're told this is who, you are not supposed to d- disappoint or upset the people who have expectations on your life. And that is a heavy taskmaster. Like it's, it's slavery. If you really want to think about it, like you put yourself in terms of it's something that you serve and you willingly put yourself in bondage to, um, trying to please somebody that you can never fully please because they're in a different mood and a different state every day. And it really doesn't have anything to do with you, you know? So why do you think, or what have you learned throughout this process that why do we stay stuck in somebody else's Mm -hmm. projection? And why are we not taking that time to more focus on ourselves? If we Mm -hmm. are constantly hearing this now, this is becoming more and more, that women are talking about, but it still seems like we're still not there yet. And what, what, Mm. like, what is keeping us so stuck? Mm, That's a great question. I knew I was so excited for this podcast because I was like, oh, she's going to ask such good questions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're just going to geek out over all the information. Yeah. I think so much of it, like for me, um, and I, I talk about it in the book, like even in terms of, um, learning how to learning that life could look differently. Okay. So, so much for us, especially as children, um, we look and usually the closest numbers of comparison or the closest people examples of comparison are, is our family members. It's our mom. Like my mom likes red. I like red, you know, um, my mom likes to dance. Oh, I like to dance too. And when there is such a lack, which I think is something that, you know, it doesn't matter which angle like I mean you could literally throw a rock and and hit it in any direction but there are not enough examples of um women walking in freedom and in the full expression of who they are and living unencumbered by the expectations of other people so a big part of the book for me is sharing the women and the situations where I was exposed to and one of my favorites is the lady who mentored me named Lida and part of the reason I asked her to mentor me is because she seemed like this perfect, gentle, quiet spirit woman that I thought, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be. Mm. And as we got into like our time together, I was like, oh my gosh, she is a freaking pistol. Like she's a firecracker, but she's power at peace. Like she's not in conflict and she's not trying to prove anything to anybody. and like, I just was, I, I just adored her. I had seen women striving. I had seen women like completely, I have a great aunt who um, passed away a couple of years ago and she never married. She was engaged three or four times. She spoke like four languages. She traveled the world. Like, and that was her way of doing her own thing. And I thought that was great. I knew that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but I didn't want to do it the way that everybody else in my family was doing it. Does that make sense? Like we're all looking for somebody that we can kind of identify with. And I had to relearn and really open up my mind to like even look for notice and then kind of like study, not in a creepy way, but women who were doing it differently And it's so funny because like the beacon drawing me to them 
was happiness. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, you are such a happy, I mean, like, how often do you see like a really happy woman? I, I mean, I just, we live in Dallas, you know, and I see a lot of moms who love their kids and they're great moms and they're great wives or like super sassy businesswoman, but like they're usually wrapped up in like hustle, mm-hmm. obligation. They're just worn out, you know, like, and, and that's what I had seen. And then all of a sudden when you shift your mindset, I started to see these women who, who lived differently. And the crazy thing is, is what I first had to come up against was I had a judgment. I had a value, place a value judgment on women who did things differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I was like, oh, they're high maintenance and high maintenance is bad, right? Like, especially in a faith-based community, you know, it's very like sacrifice, service, give, 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 like burn yourself up for others, you know, to keep them warm kind of thing. And that just has a very short life. Like it just is not sustainable and um, it's in a long time. And so I had to do the work. And the second part of that work for me was not just, oh, they're high maintenance. Then it was the, oh my gosh, I have to face the fact that I don't believe I'm worthy of this. Uh. Like somewhere in here, I believed that like I earn my value and my love and my connection from others, not from what I am or who I am or just like my inherent value both to people and then even to the God who made me, but I, I must earn it. And it's still that hustle, 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 you know, mindset. And so there was a lot of like deep work we had to get in there. I was like, Oh, this is ugly in my heart. You know, I gotta work. I gotta work some of this out. Um, and it's still, I mean, you can see it all the time. Like we see it, we're so quick to judge as women. And I think, you know, it's like somebody gave us this unwritten rule book and it's like, well, we can't do that. Doesn't she know we can't do that? Somebody better tell her, you know, she can't do that. And then you look up one day and you're like, you're just, you're just surrounded by a bunch of pissed off women who are frumpy and, and tired and uninspired and a shadow of who they really are, you know, like. That was something else I began to notice. These women that I had known earlier in my life, I watched them become overshadowed by obligation and work, work, work and sacrifice and sacrifice. And I was, I began to just feel sad for them. Does that make sense? Like I felt I was grieving for them in that place. Not, it's not that your life needs to be selfish because in your super selfish place, that's usually what we see, right? We see the real housewives of whatever, where they spend, you know, 35 of their 40 hour weeks at a spa or getting treatments or doing whatever. Like that's, that's not a real life, you know, but, um, or it's not in my opinion, fully living and showing up and, and offering the world more than just like your physical appearance. That's there, but there's a whole other world of like deep and tremendous care that enables us to bring our best to the world, but it does not come from the end of us. It comes from the best parts of us. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we do this. I, I, it's probably a a long term thing that we have to have with ourselves. Like it's an ever like every single day we have to work at it. It's not a I'm gonna wake up yes. or, or hire this coach and she's gonna give me everything I need to be. <laughs> like, just, wouldn't it be great if yeah, it works that be. way though? <laughs> right, but there's no. I think more and more we do need to focus on trying to unlearn and then relearn and then dig deep in those pieces of ourselves that we don't Mm -hmm. like so much. And we have to Mm -hmm. really get clear with those 
mm-hmm. and try to unpack where that came from to move forward. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, mm-hmm. like judgment and these labels that we put on ourselves and other people with like how things are supposed to be. Like mm-hmm. I grew up in a town where, you know, you go to uh, high school, then you become a nurse and then you marry and then you, you marry a police officer and you buy the house picket fence and then you Mm -hmm. have three kids and you are together forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That just, that doesn't happen. And I never went that way at all. Like, Mm, yeah. And it, but so many of friends and people like were conditioned that that is, that's mm-hmm. your perfect life that's given to you. Mm-hmm. It's been templated and you fit in this box and you, that's going to be your life. But if you go the mm-hmm. other way, shame on you. Oh, totally. Totally. Well, and that's how, it's what they know, right? They're like, well, this is what people do. They right. go to high school. They, they maybe marry their high school boyfriend. Like they do. And I, again, you know, somebody asked me the other day on a different podcast, they were like, why do you think that people um, stay stuck? basically mm-hmm. like what financially or, you know, however. Yeah. And um, I was like, I just feel like so much of it comes down to like what you've seen and what you can see for yourself. And so if you don't, if you haven't seen another way, then you don't know how to see another way. And you don't even know that you need to do the work. Cause you're like, well, this is just what we do. It's like watching, you know, the flamingos at the zoo. Like they're like, okay, so we squawk and we stand on one leg and then we all go over here. You know, like there's yeah. not a flamingo on stage or trying to break out of the cage. You know, it's it's just like group, you know, kind of group norms. And we want connection and, you know, we want to feel at the most primal level safe, right? That like, at least if we're not rocking the boat, we won't be ostracized. Well, even if we're lying to ourselves, even if we're dishonest to ourselves, like at least we have somebody to sit with at lunch, you know? And there are what I believe are just real gifts, but they're, they seem like terrifying, the worst things ever points in our lives where we're like, this isn't working. This isn't enough. This isn't what I really want, or this isn't really, you know, who I am. And I think one of the things that's so challenging to do well as a woman is to call women forward, but to not shame them for where they are because they, that's all they know, you know, like they, they, they know what they know. And the best thing that you can do is love them, live your life, right? Love them where they are. And, um, you know, call them forth in ways, but it's, it's hard, right? Cause like we met through Kara, right? Oh, well, yeah. It was just a total badass. And Kara would even say like, she's not for everybody. Like, you know, not every soccer mom is going to be listening to her podcast or, you know, kind of doing whatever. And, but there was something in her that drew me and drew you. And that's, you know, where we were able to even meet or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but that's why it's so important. I think, you know, for all of us to be able to, we get one life, you know, to do the work, to really own our life and then trust the process. Like that's, it was just a life changing thing for me. Like that, you know, when I first started therapy and I love therapy, I feel like therapy is a really big part of this, you know, um, yes. Like you need an advocate. I never had anybody in my entire life and I, I great people in my life, but I had never sat across from somebody who's, who cared most and was completely for me. Mm. I had people who loved like my parents, 
my parents' ministry or my marriage or my friends. Like there were, you know, when we get so caught up in all of these different causes, especially as women, I'd never sat across the table from somebody who was like, so what's right for you? This is what we're going to, and we're going to figure out. She, she said this to me and I was like, I like could have fallen out of my chair. She was like, we're going to learn how to be okay. Even if nobody and nothing in your life changes and gets better. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know this was possible. I thought I was going to be tormented by or affected by people's unhealthiness in my life, like their choices. And it was this radical, you know, idea that really laid kind of the groundwork for so many of these other choices where you learn how to say, man, you get to be where you are and I get to choose differently. And the joy and the reward of choosing differently, once you realize like no one can argue with you about your life. Like if you're an independent person and you're working your own job and you're paying your own bills, you know, like it's your life. And I actually filmed something on this yesterday that I'm going to release soon, but I was, I have this um, niece and she is my only niece and she is a spitfire. Her name is Cece and I love her and she is only two, but she has this walk and she kind of like stomps and like shakes. Like she's, that's just how she walks. And even at two years old, I'm like, she shakes the ground that she walks on. Like she just got this authority, you know, and, and I was talking to, um, I guess it was my sister and it's not her little girl. She has two boys, but, um, I was just like, you need to, you need to own the full weight of your glory. Like you just need to get your CC walk. Like, this is my life. This is my house. These are my choices. Like, and, and there's such joy and like this crazy addictive empowerment when you're like, this is mine. I know what's mine and I'm releasing what's not mine. And I will choose and do what's best for me and for my family. If I have a family or my marriage, you know, like, but first and foremost, I cannot give anything. There is not really a gift that I can give or, or sacrifice or whatever I can do with my family. If I have not chosen authentically out of myself, mm. because otherwise I'll wake up in resentment and be like, I did all these things for these other people and I didn't really want to, but it's nobody's nobody could control that but you and so it's in your power you know to make those choices I think I got a little off topic there but you know what I was saying walking yeah. in the full way to your glory yes yeah no and you kind of segued into what I wanted to go on to next and you when I was um, digging into your book a bit here you know you you have some really good things that you relate to to everyday things mm-hmm. to make us think dif- differently and one of them mm-hmm. when we were just talking about like labels and stuff like but there's also another way to see it, which this here mm-hmm. um, I want to read. And it's think of some of the greatest natural forces in our world, fire, water and wind. Mm-hmm. And in this section of the book, you talk about fire and mm-hmm. how it can be destructive and it's excessively powerful. Mm-hmm. But also it has the same power to do incredible things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, you can. And that was just like what you were touching on. And we can look Mm -hmm. at the way we do things or say things or the way we are as, you know, someone can see it one way, but we feel Mm -hmm. it a different way. Yeah. I think that's so true. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to catch up. No, no. Like when I read that and I read the page, I was like, when I think of fire, Mm -hmm. I think of it as like sitting around a, uh, a campfire 
with friends yeah. and enjoying the moment and everything. But then also like you've heard some very destructive things that fire can do to people, mm-hmm. but I don't think of it right away that way because I've mm-hmm. never experienced it. Yeah. Like you ask somebody from California and they're like, right. Oh, you know, this, this is a terrible, you know, a terrible thing. And so much of it to me, like it, it, um, because we are so taught that strong women are bad mm. or that they're only bitches, you know, mm-hmm. like they're only, um, and, and I think that's only reinforced by the fact that a lot of times we're taught that we're not supposed to be strong. So we don't look for that as women. Like we don't, we don't acknowledge our strength. We don't notice it. But then in addition to that, we're taught that, um, so we're not supposed to be strong, but then we experience our strength in when it comes bursting forth, right? In harmful places. Like if we lose our shit and our kids, you know, or if we, we, you know, um, push somebody out of the way or, you know, kind of whatever, where it kind of comes bursting forth. And, um, so a lot of times what we do as women in this point that we turn on ourselves is we say, my strength is bad. Mm. It hurts people. It causes me problems. So I'm just going to shove it down. And that's not, that's not a whole truth. And at all, because power is like, I mean, gosh, you just look at our life and our countries and everything that's going on. And like, we desperately need women in their power, like not in their power as a man, but in their unique magical power as a woman, because there's absolutely a magical power as a woman standing up in their communities and leading change and, you know, um, bringing healing and restoration to communities. And, but all of that comes down to first, you can't reject your power. You, You can't say, Oh, this is just bad. But then two, it's, it's literally signing up for and saying, okay, I'm going to saddle up for this. This is a lifelong haul of learning how to master the strength of what comes inside of me and to listen to it, to appreciate it, to understand, like for me, you know, um, and, and this is where it, it all just kind of like flows into the other. Like we talk about this and then we get into self-care. So when I am not getting enough sleep or I don't have enough alone time, I feel, uh, out of control, right? I feel like kind of more like a raging fire and not because that's bad in me or whatever, but because those, the practice of like self, self care of good sleep and time to like work through my thoughts and time to listen to my big emotions allows me to center and not react to life around me, but to direct it. And, you know, the, the example of the fire is that fire in the hands of a master forges steel. Like it's changed everything. It brings warmth to cold nights. It's given us, you know, 12 more hours a day to work if we want to, like, because we can have light, you know, like there's, there's so much in that. And, um, and nobody, nobody's telling fire to stop being fire. No, it's so true. And most people are like fire, danger, 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 or only men are supposed to have it. Mm. And, um, and so we think if we have it, it also has to look like manly power, which is where you come out to kind of these, what I would call excessive force in these places. And all of that, in my opinion, is just this master plan of, I believe our enemy, right? Who like there's God and then there's enemy and, and, um, he wants to keep us small and not walking in our full power because when we're walking in our full power, we're harnessing the strength that God gave us, like, we will rattle the heavens. Like we are, we are a force and we threaten strongholds like unforgiveness or captivity or, you know, any of those kinds of places. And so 
it is a master plan, I believe, of the enemy to he doesn't even have to take us out. We take ourselves out mm. because we're like, I'm bad. I can't handle this. This is wrong. I'm hurting people. And so this is just what I have to do. This is how I have to be. And then you just see it. You see depression. You see anxiety. You see um women just like losing it you know like the karens sitting down like refusing to put their mask on or whatever it is yep. you know like it's it's and it's these bursts because it can't be contained yeah it can't like there's a time limit on it and it's because it is tied to our deepest truth which is part of who you know who we are and that god gave us that strength to do great things but if we don't check into it and we just ignore it then you know it can um it can just cause a lot of, well, it does. It causes a lot of trouble. That's probably the best easiest way to put it. It's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. And you compare it to a lot of everyday relatable things, as I just said, with Mm -hmm. fire and Mm -hmm. with cars, the movie Frozen, (laughs) which I want to talk about in a second. And then your dog, dog, Bella. And you, in the book and throughout your podcast, like you, and you just said it a few minutes ago, is just like letting it be like you're letting your dog be a dog like hey it's mm-hmm. a dog's day like yeah hey, like that dog is sniffing around or that dog's running or you know mm-hmm. it wants to lay a certain way or mm-hmm. you know it has to go to the bathroom but no one was home so it peed inside well that's yeah. dogs. like you nobody yeah like we mm-hmm. and I love the way that you put these put this into perspective in a way where mm-hmm. we can kind of like stop repressing and stop stuffing mm-hmm. things down and mm-hmm. I'm getting a page out of this book from you and as Queen Elsa would say let it fucking go shouldn't say yeah. let's go like and in Dina's voice singing it to us like belting it out we're like yes okay we'll let it go we'll let it go yes. and so what is one thing that you're working on right now that you need to let go of? oh oh my gosh okay let's just get real honest real quick yeah. people's reaction to this book like I knew you know I was going to um piss some people off like in terms of I know and I'm if you're like it's kind of like when you read anybody's book and unless it's like a you know I don't know a Jessica Simpson tell-all you know but I don't have anybody important that I'm like blasting you know it's right. not that but um it's a lot of different things everybody has a version of who they want you to be mm-hmm. And everybody has their interpretation of events and everybody has their, um, you know, expectation of you. And I knew that when I wrote this, I wanted to write it in the voice, in the language, you know, in the, cause like people don't, at least in my neck of the world was like, they don't include hell and damn in a prayer to Jesus, right? Those don't combine, like <laughs> you keep it real clean. Um, but those you know, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, like I grew up with a long list of things that I couldn't say. Mm-hmm. And we didn't say them because they were wrong, inappropriate, you know, whatever. And um then I, I really just, I don't know, I, I call it kind of like God called me out of the pretense and into the personal. And I don't know that for me, there is a more authentic prayer than like, Lord, what the hell, you know, like what, what is going on? Like, what the hell I'm getting my ass kicked down here you know Mm -hmm. and it was reclaiming even that part of the language that was forbidden to me for so many years of my life that there are just some days that like what the heck just doesn't cut it 
And that's just me, you know? And so like, for example, my sweet 92 year old grandmother was like, well, I could have done without all the hells and dance, you know? And I was like, well, <laughs> Mimi, I know, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't trying to offend you. But a lot of this book came out of the, the, the process of like, I was on tour for years and meeting these sassy, strong women who, you know, would see a show and they're like, we, I love this song or I totally like, I have a whole album called feisty and they're like, this is, you know, this is, this is my theme song. And I'm like, yeah, girl, me too. Like we're just, we're a lot, you know, and I'm learning how to embrace it. And like one of the lines is literally like, I'm not afraid to show you I'm feisty. And, um, I was for so long, but anyways, it came out of these, these very honest, very real, beautiful conversations from real women that weren't caught up in this is who I need to be at least on Saturday night at nine 30 at the honky tonk. We had some, like, you know how honest of a conversation you can have with somebody outside of like their job or their family, or they're able to like leave all the stuff at the door. And I mean, I have, I've had people confess things to me that I'm like, Oh my, you know, I don't know why you feel so comfortable, but okay, this is, you know, this is a safe space. So I, I wanted that to be, um, that was just important to me and not everybody loved it. And that's okay. You know, I'm having to still work on this is okay. And, and this is, um, you know, we were laughing about it earlier. I was like, this is my story. This is my book. And so like a healthy person, <laughs> a healthy person is your would be like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Everybody else can deal, but we all can still, and that's why it's just a daily freaking work and it's worth, but it's worth it. It's not like a beat down. Although some days it can feel like, oh my gosh, but it's so worth it to show back up and be like, you know what? You can misinterpret me. You can think the worst of me. You can whatever, but that's not my business. Like my business like that's the Lord's business. Like you're going to, God's, you guys are going to work it out. I, I'm responsible for me. And the more focused I get on you and what you think of me, the more distracted I get and the less I do what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? So that is something I'm still working on. Let go, letting go right now. For the most part, the reaction has been beautiful and I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, because I knew, I knew there were lots of women like me because they would send me private messages, you know? that needed this book, um, but that weren't like necessarily going like full guns blazing like I was in my family, you know, like okay. I'm gonna do things my way. This is what it is. So so yeah, that's a place for me for sure. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, I've gotten so much. You know, so let me let me clarify that oh hell by saying, um in every community, right? Every family, every whatever, my community was the church house and everybody speaks very freely with like, Oh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you this or, Oh, I really felt like, you know, you needed to be reminded of this verse or, you know, kind of whatever. Um, I've heard a lot of things. I think probably the worst advice is I don't even know if I could sum it up. It's, it's, it's generally, it's just like, can you not? Right. <laughs> I don't even know that that's advice. It's kind of just like more of a statement. Like, can you just not? Um, or like, aren't you, a lot of times they come in the forms of questions. Like, aren't you worried about embarrassing, you know, your right. family or embarrassing your husband? And um, when I first started touring, I was 
well, I say first time I've been touring since I was like 16, but the second round of like playing in the country music scene, um, I was in a like community group, like a small group with some other couples and, and they, I just remember they all, they're great people, but they all looked at me like I was crazy that I was not just going to be at home with my husband, like planning when we were going to start our family, that I wanted to go out and be doing, you know, these other things. And at the time it crushed me. I just felt so alone and I felt kind of crazy. And then, you know, it was just like, you know what? They can't see it because it's not their vision. Right. It's not, it's not their dream. It looks crazy to them. And it was like, oh, okay. You know, we, we can move on from there. But I would say the best advice though, that I've ever gotten is from, um, so the lady who mentored me, who I love so much, she really showed me like power at peace. Like she, she's just a badass. It's her husband, Jerry Smith. And I've known Jerry since I was like four. And, um, he has, I don't know. He's one of those people in your life that's like, they just don't let you get very far from who you really are before they're like, uh, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and, and I was really wrestling with music because that's another place, right? That it, because any, any place we can get wrapped up in trying to please people. And my degree is in marketing. And so when I sit down to write a song, I can get really wrapped up in what's the most marketable song, how can we promote it, you know, as opposed to just writing my truth, right, or singing whatever I wanted. And, um, you know, he said to me, he was just like, write what makes you, like, what did he say? Write music that you love and to hell with everybody else. Like, that's, and it was so what I needed to hear because it wasn't just about music. It was about my life, right? It was like, do what makes your soul sing, what feels right to you and everybody else will just deal. And he said that at a time in my life when I like, in a lot of ways, probably didn't know what it looked like to be okay with everybody else thinking whatever they wanted to think about me. But that was, that was just, I don't know. He knew he could say that to me. And it, I think it was also paired with like, well, then get your shit together, abs, you know? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. He probably didn't use that language. Sorry, but that's what I heard. <laughs> no. um, so with this book, you know, you dive into three different key areas of every woman's mm-hmm. life. One being self-care, boundaries, mm-hmm. and emotions. What I want to know mm-hmm. is what is what is one thing that you is a non-negotiable for you to do every single day to take care of yourself? Mm, that's a really good one. I... Um, funny there's probably two the first one is that every single day I try to read the language of letting go by Melody Beattie mm-hmm. and it's a daily reading and it is um basically all about letting people be where they are it's it's under the context of like recovering codependence like you know and codependency the best definition I've heard about codependency is that like you are easily pulled into other people's storms or joys or problems. And I, that was me. I'm, I'm an oldest. I'm totally a people pleaser. Um, I did everything that everybody wanted me to and, until I was probably about 26. And that was kind of a breaking point for me. Um, but I, I start every day with that reminder of like, they're going to be fine and you have to follow your own path. And, um, it's a really great reminder. So I start with that. And then I'm really big on my sleep. Like <laughs> I just, I don't have babies yet. And so I know that that's in some ways it's a luxury, but um, I, 
I'm just really big on it. Even so much so that like, let's say that I wake up and I have a super stressy conversation or I get some news and it has me emotionally spinning. And I talk about this in the book and I can't find my feet. I will go lay back down, even if I don't go to sleep and cover my eyes and do a meditation because it just helps me find a calm space again, you know? And when you're, for me, right, my version of high strong is, can be loud and really busy and, and, um, going, 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 going. And you, I can look up if I don't do things like that. And I'm like, I've been running as hard as I can, but I don't even remember where I was going. Like why I'm doing, you know, all these things. And so perspective is, is a really big part of it. And inherent in both of those really is for me, whether it's like reading those chapters or it's laying down, it, it is absolutely like, I don't want to say prayer. Like it's like, I'm just talking to God the whole time, but a big part of it to me is listening, mm. just being quiet enough to be like, okay, I'm here. And just listening, you know, I think so many times it's like, we think we have to say the right things to hear something from God or hear something from heaven. And, um, a lot of times it's just being quiet enough to, you know, to listen, which is why you'll find that people, I feel like that spend a lot of time in nature and far more time away from technology and whatever, they are not as rattled, right? Is we're just a hot mess right now. (laughs) Everybody's. Just looking at their phones instead of being like, you know what? The sun, like the sun still did it. He came up today, right? Yeah. He didn't get lost. He's still, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be okay. So those are some big ones for me. What about you? Yeah. So for me, um, I'm an early riser and I love sleep. Mm. So I try and wake up like six or seven mm-hmm. and I try and start the day with reading. So whatever mm-hmm. I'm reading. And then mm-hmm. I usually do a workout and mm-hmm walk my dog so walking my dogs and I think reading are two things that I I do every single day without without even noticing and really does like like you were saying like I just I feel really off balance if I don't Mm -hmm. read something or get clear and just go outside and be quiet and whether it's with myself and my dogs or my my fiance is with me it's just Mm -hmm. like I need to step away I'll leave my phone at home and Mm -hmm. And just be. And sometimes we go the mm-hmm. whole walk and we don't say anything to each other. And sometimes we talk yeah. about like random things. And then mm-hmm. I can come back to my desk and like be more creative and get back into it. And mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like, like I agree with you. I don't think enough, like we're so, we get so mm-hmm. caught up in the everyday. We actually don't like enjoy the day. Yeah. Oh, I know. One of my favorite things, like we, um, the first time I ever went to Hawaii and it was so funny because I went with a girlfriend and it, it, everybody kept asking us, us if we were a couple and we were like, no, why? And then we were like, well, cause you're in the honeymoon capital of the world. And we were, you know, we were just <laughs> in Waikiki because all of our friends were married and taking these fun trips. And we were like, well, we're not married, but we still deserve a fun trip. So we booked some like crazy cheap flight and hotel situation and we got to be there. But one of my favorite things about Hawaii is that people line the coast and they find a place to sit to watch the sun go down. Right? Like that's all they do. They just sit there and watch the sun go down. And I'm like, I need this in my life every day. Like what a grounding. Yeah. I'm not as good as the sunrise. Like I'm not the best morning person. I struggle. I struggle there, but <laughs> I loved that. Like it was just like, you are immersed in beauty and also in like the beauty of how fleeting the moment is like 
yeah. a sunset changes second by second, you know, and we have some really great ones here in Texas, but we're in a city, like we're in Dallas and we have some more space than we did when we first lived here. But um, I just think that's such a powerful and, and nobody told them to do it. They, these were just like, and they were tourists from all over the world, right? They were just like, oh, this is a big deal. We've heard this is really good, or we think this might be really good. And, you know, they sat there and anyways, I loved it. I thought it was a great, a great practice. Yeah, I know it's definitely um, getting grounded and just like being and like enjoying the day is mm-hmm. it really like it sets the tone for every other day, I feel like. Yeah, it totally does. The second thing was um, boundaries. So you talk a lot mm-hmm. about taking back your no and finding mm-hmm. the ground. So mm-hmm. what are you currently saying no to? Mm-hmm. You're like, girl, you wrote a book, but I'm going to make you apply it right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I'm having to, I'm having to say no to hustle. Mm. Um, there is such a, oh my, I just don't even know. Like I am, I have done the hustle. I, ha- I mean, I just, one of the things about being a woman in the music industry is that it's it's not even like a suggestion like you're gonna have to outwork not just like every man around you but everybody around you and again it's this place of like earning your worth and you know um earning your place on stage and all that kind of stuff and the truth is is that it was just really like it was like toxic to my soul Mm. um it was toxic to I feel like the real magic of music that I really love. And I felt like, you know, for, I grew up with classical piano. Like that's, um, I took lessons for years and I can't remember any of it much to my mother's heartbreak, but I then had a teacher who taught me how to play by chords and that started, um, songwriting for me, but all of my songs were very intimate and connected and and um then I got into you know country music and it was like well you just have to knock them off their feet with your power and your strength you know like you have to go full Miranda on them you know whatever (laughs) um or like old school Miranda she's she's doing a lot more soft stuff now which I think is great but and I love the big sounds I love the big music um but I also I, I just love the power of like the right vulnerability you know, in a moment, I think it it can be so much more striking. So anyways, the hustle of like, get your book to bestseller, like do all the things, impress everybody, you know, with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a real temptation. And it's a temptation to me because I can do it mm-hmm. because I'm strong and because I can push myself into crazy, terrible places to quote, achieve things. And what I found again, like God bless mid thirties. Um, I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. I don't like this. This is, you know, this, I don't feel more confident and like I own my life more. Yeah. I feel more enslaved to public opinion than ever. And I, I hated it and I couldn't like identify fully what it was in that moment. But so for me right now where I'm having to like say no is, Okay, don't engage with the hustle. And instead, like we talked about, spend that time with the Lord. Spend that time being quiet. Spend that time um, identifying what is the most important thing I do today, not what would be the most impressive. And what would be, um, 
you know, would get me the numbers that I want and all that kind of stuff. And that's really hard for me <laughs> because, um, you know, you just, if you have more numbers and it's easier to get in the door. And I mean, you know, this like with podcasts, Oh, how many downloads do you have? Well, I don't want to sponsor this. Or maybe if you have yeah. this many, then I would sponsor, you know, and it, it can be just such a trap and it works against, obviously I see the world through, you know, creative lens, but it works against the art, right. The beauty and the, the magic of the art and what comes out of us. And so, yeah, oh, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> so what, did you leave behind in your twenties that you're not carrying anymore in your thirties? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, what did I leave behind in my twenties? That there was one way to do it. Mm. Like that there was, um, and then that, you know, somebody else defined that. Like that some, somebody else was in control of that definition and that I had to do it, you know, I had to do it their way. And it's crazy because even as I really embraced that in my life, where I had been hard, you know, on people in my life, like my, my friends or my sister of, of like, you know, cause I was like, well, if there's one right way to do it, I was going to be the best at it. Because that's just my personality. And then you're like, this is miserable. <laughs> and then once you realize that not only are there a lot of ways to do it, you begin to really appreciate the way other people do things. And you, there's all of a sudden, there's just all of this room for everybody to be where they are. They don't have to be where you think that they should be, even for you to be connected with them or maybe even to feel comfortable or safe or you know whatever and so my sister and I live our lives very differently she would be like yeah absolutely and um there was a lot of conflict there because I was the big sister and I felt like oh I need to tell you how to do this because you need to be safe and it was out of absolutely like good intentions but it was she would be like it was hell for her you know (laughs) and but once I learned that I was like oh my gosh like not only is your way different it's great and you're really good at it and it opened up my world to so many different kinds of relationships and such a deeper connection of um I think it's you know I look at it like especially in the U.S. with everything that's going on everybody's like so in order for you to be safe for me you have to be the same Mm. no I mean it's just eroding the heart of you know our community And as opposed to, I can be me, you can be you, and we can have different opinions, and like, let's talk, and hopefully the best idea will win. Like, you know, however this works. And, but it takes so much courage and personal development to get there, and nobody is calling us forward, like, forth as humans. Everybody's like, well, our problem is because of this person, and nobody's saying our problems are because of us, and it starts with me, right? It starts, it starts in my heart. So, yeah, good you with your good questions. Yes. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you all day. Um, talking <laughs> for an hour, and we need another round of margaritas soon. Yes. <laughs> um, so start to wrap this up because I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do. Yeah. Um, you know, the third thing you enforced in the in the book is your is emotions and mm. the profound shift from fearing your big feelings to embracing them harnessing them and to do incredible things finding mm. your anchors when the waves of your emotions crash Abby mm. what are your anchors oh my gosh I had a situation this week totally where I was just like 
everybody has their emotions that they are more comfortable with. Um, and so like some women are very comfortable with anger and some are very uncomfortable with anger. Some women are very comfortable with shame and other women are very uncomfortable with it. And so, um, you go down the list, you know, some women are very happy and joy and some, <coughs> excuse me, are not, but, <clears throat> um, this week I had a situation where it was totally the flood of like shame, embarrassment. Like you should have known, you know, you should have known better. You should have protected yourself from this or you should have done more research. And it, you know, it's just a mistake, right? Like we all have mistakes and, and hiccups and things like that. And I just had to go back to, and you know, it was around the book. And so I had to go back to why did I write the book? Um, where is my solid, like, where is my sacred ground in writing the book? And the book for me was not, I'm not an expert. <laughs> like, I am not a professional, like, oh, let me give you the 12 points to be, like, a badass. Like, I'm not a Rachel Hollis, right? And I think she's great. But, <clears throat> excuse me, that wasn't, um I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that bravely. No, I couldn't do that authentically. Um, I think when you're authentic, you could be a lot more brave, but I, I couldn't do that authentically. And I was just praying about it. And I just really felt like the Lord was like, tell your story. All I'm asking you to do is tell your story. And if something in your story, like share the things that have helped you, share the things that you've worked really hard to learn, the things that I've revealed to you, you know, whatever, like self-care and boundaries and emotions, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then if somebody, that's all you're supposed to do. I'm responsible for the results in people's lives or the application. Yeah. And if somebody disagrees, then you're like, oh, great. I can't wait to read your book. Like, <laughs> go write your book. <laughs> that is as free and, you know, easy as, as it can be. And that was, um, I had to go back to that place of like, okay, why did I do this? And then the bigger points of like, um, your feet on the ground, feeling the unshakable earth, you know, under your feet, that regardless of how big the emotions <clears throat> excuse me come and crash and they typically you know and I don't even know that I touched on this in the book but they come the crashes come with each new extension or like detail of the story you're telling yourself mm-hmm. um you should have known better this is embarrassing people are going to think that you should have known this like, like you're going to lose credibility you know all of all those kinds of things like you know would just take you out and in those places, I would get glimpses of my anchors, which were, uh, I believe he works all things together for my good. So like Gina Devi, who I really love, um, she talks so much about this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, okay. Like I, and, and I think one of the things that I, you know, may not have explained very well in the book, but like, you're not holding on to your anchors, like brazen and unaffected by the storm, you know, like you're just, I'm, I'm, this is, does not affect me. I think like a lot of times we hold on to it and we're like, I think I can, I think I can, you know, but if you don't have anything to hold on to, you're just washed, you know, down the river and your emotions you listen to the story your emotions are telling you as opposed to being able to hear the message that they're giving you, which is that you're uncomfortable here or you don't like this. And then they highlight this belief, right, that you are afraid of being found out. Mm-hmm. You are afraid of being 
ashamed. You are afraid that this person is right or this situation or whatever, you know, and, and that you're wrong. And that's the real work, right? Like this is just a symptom. This is just something that's come up and it's come up as, you know, as a real gift. And so as I was able to work through it and it's, it's, you know, I think the more reps that we get, then our recovery time kind of can lessen. Because what used to take me out for two weeks now was like about a 36 hour. And then I was like, okay, uh, we're going to be okay. Like, you know, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. Um, but I think anchors are different for everybody. And I think a lot of times they can be different on um, the situation, like in your family. Um, I think a lot of women experience it there. You know, it's reminding yourself, I have the authority to live my own life. Like not everybody has to agree or understand my decision in order for it to still be right for me and we're all going to be okay you know we're all we're all going to be okay and one for me that's just you know it doesn't matter what the situation is is it does not matter how big and daunting and bad this looks god is bigger than this like one of my favorite um kind of like pictures of god is that the mountains that tower above me are literally what he kicks his feet up on and relaxes with like they're not a big deal to him Mm. and when you remind yourself that you are like aligned with and much less protected by a God that big, you're like, we're going to be okay. (laughs) I don't know how it may all burn down around me, but you know, I know I'm going to be okay. And I think that although we spend so much of our energy trying to secure the circumstances, Mm -hmm. and I think anybody would say this, like I always think about Nelson Mandela just like sitting in prison for years and like the freedom that he experienced in his soul, his circumstances didn't change, but he learned that the freedom was in his heart, right? In his mind and in his perspective. And so that's a, those are just some, gosh, those are some big ones for me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Abby, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time with me and um, really mm-hmm. digging into your journey, this book who you mm-hmm. are as a person and getting vulnerable with me when mm-hmm. you, you don't really know me. And, but I feel like I know you now. So yeah, awesome. my honor. Oh. Yes. Well, it's my honor. Absolutely. It really oh. is. So um, just a few more wrap up questions for you. Okay. Um, where would you be without Jesus and therapy? Hmm. <laughs> I, I would, I would be married to someone that is not my husband, that does not celebrate my personality, but that reinforced who I thought I was supposed to be. And I would, I would probably be on a lot of antidepressants, like a lot, a lot. And I'm not against that. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, um, but I mean, I would be numbed out. That's, that's what I mean. Like I would be yeah. that, that's where I would be for sure. I would be so bad. Oh God. Is, oh. What are three words to describe 2020 for you the year 2020 Ooh, uncomfortable <laughs> um 2020. these are such good questions definitely uncomfortable challenging mm-hmm. um and surprising mm-hmm. you know I think we all found joy in places that we lost like you know hearing like working from home and finding out that your husband is somebody who says like, yeah, let's circle back to that. You're like, what? Like <laughs> who are you're a so- circle back guy. Like what is going on here? You know? And, 
or just, you know, we, we've laughed so much in, in this year. Um, we're just like, you know, we're not super old. We're late thirties, but we're both looking at each other. Like you're weird and I'm weirder and loving it, you know, like, I don't know. I think that happens um, at a certain point, you know, in relationships and, and in marriage, but it wasn't something that I looked forward to when I was young and I thought about being in a relationship and being married, you know, and I dreamed about marriage, not because marriage led to like kids and the life and the whatever I dreamed about marriage is my partner to like chase down my dreams with. And he is that, you know, above and beyond. Although I tried out some ones before that would have been a disaster. <laughs> both ways, both ways for them and me. Um, describe your marriage in three words. Hmm. Honest. Hilarious. I'm going to say here. And the hilarity comes from the honesty. Um, and then I would say brave. Um, we've worked through a lot of things. You know, I think a lot of times people can look at, he works on the business side of the NFL. He works for a family that owns the Kansas City Chiefs and, um, he's worked really, really hard. And so not this year, this year was a little bit disappointing, <laughs> but last year when they won the Super Bowl, um, I think a lot of people can look and think, Oh gosh, this just must be so easy to be married. And like, Oh, it hasn't. We fought very hard in therapy and years of like working on our own stuff. And we'll continue to, you know, to have, um, what I feel like is a very, I'm just very proud of it because it's very real. You know, a lot of times when we're, you know, engaging other couples or whatever, I think we usually kind of rattle them with how honest we are. <laughs> and I don't mean about like uncomfortable stuff, but I mean, just like, you know, just life. And um, that's something you have to work for. Like, there's definitely a, a natural connection there. But um, we we put in the work when it was the hardest kind of work, right? Not when it was the... Like we put in the work when we didn't know if we were going to make it mm. and um, everybody hits that point. And I think you hit that point at a lot of different points in, in your marriage. And we got married, you know, at 25 and 26. And by the time we were in therapy, we'd both been like two different people since then, you know, I mean, growing together can be a really challenging thing, but um, I'm just really incredibly grateful for him and where we are. So shout out to you, Ryan, wherever you are. <laughs> hey, Ryan. <laughs> Circling back somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> where can people learn more about you and find you online? Where can mm. they find you? So the easiest place is probably Instagram and Facebook. Um, Instagram is Abby Walker Official, and it's A-B-B-I, not I-E. Um, but pretty much if you Google me, you'll, you'll find me. And then Facebook, same thing, Abby Walker Official. Um, I have two websites. I have a music website, and then I have one that I just launched. Um, that's abbywalker.net. And, um, yeah, I love that place. Like, I love that place of connection. I think it allows, like, in the right setting, you know, even, like, how we got to this point of being able to do the podcast, private conversations that can be really powerful, you know, just like, man, you know, I'm really having a hard time or I really connected with this or, you know, kind of whatever. So I spent a lot of time on it and, um, I really, I really love getting to connect with people, especially over these kind of like topics and things that I'm super geeked out about, passionate about. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we, since your book is out now, you had, um, 
said that we can do a giveaway for your book to my people that are listening. So thank you for that. I want to, you know, we'll give it some time for people who are listening. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in um, getting Abby's new book, feel free to, I don't know how we're going to do this, but um, maybe. We'll tell you what. You pick the winner and then I'll send it straight for me. I'll sign it to them and, and we'll do, we'll do the whole thing. So, um, I don't know whatever details you want to do, like, you know, for the giveaway, but if you don't want to wait for the giveaway, you can get it on Amazon or you can also find it through, um, my Instagram or my Facebook. Yes. And I would encourage anybody to Mm -hmm. definitely do that because it definitely, you know, even like sifting through it and reading some of it Mm -hmm. it does act as like. A resource or like oh, good yeah because you have some like you have questions at the end of every chapter and mm-hmm. you have some really good points that make you question you know things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily want to ask but you need to know and I just feel yeah. like I want to really acknowledge you for this book even though I haven't read it all and I'm mm. honest I can't wait to dive into it and I'm really really glad that I met you and mm. got this opportunity to to learn and talk to you more because we need to do more of this and I think mm. to really it's really important for us as women but as people and as society to just get honest and mm-hmm. start celebrating stop competing and, mm. you know, it's okay to celebrate who we are and those moments mm. that don't look as good as the, you know, the finer moments. Mm. It's Absolutely. Okay. That makes me so happy. You said that about a resource because that, you know, if you saw my office right now, which is a mess, it's cool. But I have stacks and stacks of books that nobody, Ryan is always like, nobody in their right mind is going to buy the emotions book that's 600 pages. And I'm like, I am. I'm going to read it because I need help. Like I need to figure you know, this out. And my heart was really to say, okay, I'm going to take some really big ideas in some places, right? Like emotional health. That's not a small little thing um, or boundaries or self-care. And I'm going to try and boil it down to what I would call like tic-tac introduction bites, right? Where if you're fascinated by this, you can go, can go to the end of the book and, and it lists, um, other books that I either referred to or, or list as a resource of like, if you really need help with boundaries, there's this great book on boundaries. This is the title and this is how you can get it, you know, whatever. Um, and those people who've done those kinds of books for me, you know, they're like, they do, they kind of become your little field guide, like your, your Bible, your resource where you're like, okay, I'm having all the big feelings today. Let me pull out this chapter. And that is what was most helpful to me. And so that was my heart and trying to, to craft it that way. So I'm so glad you felt like that it resonated with you. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the best piece of advice that you can leave us with for, mm. for, for a woman, for somebody mm. who has felt the way you have felt or, you know, what is something that you can leave us with for your best piece of advice? Mm. You know, I've been speaking this phrase, for like two well longer than two weeks but I've been speaking a lot on social media and it's just that like we need you like we need the real you as a woman we don't need the well-behaved you we don't need the watered down you and even if you don't know what that looks like right now it's the work of your life but it's the most important work of your life because as you do that you model for your children 
for your husband, like for the the courage that it takes to show up as the real you. I closed the book with, um, we love Teddy Roosevelt in this house, like love him and borderline obsession, um, renegade president who, you know, just kind of did whatever he wanted, not whatever he wanted in a bad way, but was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, whatever. So he gives a speech. Brene Brown wrote the book Daring Greatly, which is where I was first introduced to it, but it's the man in the arena speech. And I close the book out and I rewrite, I adapt it for being a woman who's trying to show up as all of who she is and who one of the lines in it that I just really resonate with is that she knows that to, um, the only way to live is to live in the dirt of the arena, which is, you know, a symbol for showing up in the real, true, gritty, hard work of who you really are. Mm -hmm. And that that is the most worthwhile effort of your life because in fully understanding and embracing who you are, you're able to really live your life. If you're running around being somebody else, you're not living your life. You're living somebody else's life. Like, you know, when you asked me earlier, like, where would you be without Jesus in therapy? I'm like, oh, I'd be in so many bad clothes. Like, <laughs> I would be in so, and that's not like that clothes are bad, but I mean, it would be, clothes are such a fun place for me. Like, obviously not right now, the video you're getting in my super sweet North Face sweatshirt, but um, it's a place of real joy. And you ask any woman, you know, they can walk through and see something fabulous and be like, oh, I can never pull that off. Like, I hate that. Right. I'm like, yes, you can. And and it's just a symbol of, of walking in the full weight of your glory, but it only comes from literally, I mean, just like the, the blood flow of who you really are. And it's so unique. And because it's so unique, like I, I put it this way, God made you exactly how you are. He intentionally designed your sense of humor, the things that freak you out, the things that you're passionate about, the things that you're good at, the things you're not good at. He wrapped you all up. He designed you on purpose. And he dropped you dead into your family, your community, your job, your world. And he put you there because he decided that who you really are is exactly what that little corner of the world needed. He didn't send you to go be somebody else or to change everything about yourself. He sent you to be you. And so there's this crazy power um, and authority, and I would call it an anointing that comes when you realize that you're walking in obedience and obedience to God and your creator is honoring what he created in you. And it's not saying what you made isn't good, or I need to change this. And that, you know, a big part of a reflection of that is even in our bodies, you know, and, and our, um spirits and our personalities and stuff and so all that to say we need you we need the real you and um you can do it and it's so worth it I mean it's it is just so worth it in showing up as the real you your real people will find you you're the love of your life your girlfriends your whatever but they can't find you if you're running around being somebody else or hiding parts of who you are because you're not fully showing up. You know what I mean? It's like you're asking them to know something that they could never, ever know. And in owning it, it just releases like magic into the world. Yes. Preach girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I really, again, I appreciate you and taking this time 
and mm. sharing all of the goodness thank you with me today and um yeah thank mm. you so much for being here oh my gosh it was my honor i'm so excited for you and all that's ahead of you and this is just a wonderful way to get to spend an hour thank you I hope you enjoyed that episode. I invite you to join me every week as I openly discuss relationships and not just the fairy tale love story shit. I'm talking about the challenges, the hard stuff, and the things you must first face and discover about yourself before you can fully be with someone else. Love is Encanteled isn't just about the love for someone else, but the love for yourself. Really, it's about the love for yourself. And then exploring those challenges and behaviors and actions and patterns into somebody else. I'll share stories, interviews, and advice that no one asked for, but you need to hear. Thank you so much for your time and attention. We'll see you next week. And if again, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it and appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts and left me a review. Thanks so much and see you next time. Thank you.